Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hi, this is Kenny Albert of Fox Sports. You're listening to The Jake Brown Show. Coming up. I'm the Jake Brown Show here on Play.it. We'll talk with Kenny Albert later. We'll talk with Eric Merlis later. We'll go around the NFL. We'll tip off the NBA season. We'll open with World Series Game 7. And we'll go on a hilarious Twitter segment. All that, a whole lot more. It's next on the Jake Brown Show. Let's get it. Welcome to the Jake Brown Show on CBS Radio's Play.it. iTunes, Podcast, and Spotify is where the show will be found every all the time. Every day, all day. 24 7, 365. 366 every four years. If we make it four years. I am Jake Brown. You can follow me on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio. You can follow the show at Jake Brown Show. You hit us on Facebook, Jake Brown Show. Twitter, Jake Brown Show, Instagram, Jake Brown Show. I know I'm getting real creative. YouTube, The Jake Brown Show. Search us there. We need those subscribers. Rate and review us on iTunes. Give us those five stars. Write a review. All of that jazz. We got Marv, not Marv, we got Kenny Albert coming on the show. We got Eric Merlis, the author, coming on the show. Now, Kenny Albert, some funny stories with him. You'll hear... uh, I found his wife at the All-Star game. He lost his wife, and I found her. Uh, so that was pretty funny. Um, we'll go around the NFL. We'll go Geronimo Allison had a hilarious tweets from 2010 through 2012 around there um, that were just incredible. And then we'll go back and look at my tweets from my college days, which has some funny ones in there back in 2010, 2011. Um, we'll do all that. We'll do my locks against the spread. We'll talk Cam Newton, NFL, all that. NBA tip-off season arrived. We'll give you the early early feel this season. Um, I got to start with, man, I, I got to see Aladdin finally last night. I saw Aladdin on Broadway. Uh, Shout-out to James Monroe Igahart, who plays Genie on the show. I mean, in the show. For making it happen, for getting me there. I appreciate that. Uh, seats are great, 12th row. And then during the show, man, out of nowhere, I'm just hanging out, just enjoying the show. During the first half, during Friend Like Me, he shouts me out out of nowhere. He said, shout out to Jake Brown from CBS. And that was awesome. And I don't know why Luke ended the Facebook Live, but he can't even, he's not even listening right now. Hello, Luke! Hello. No more Facebook Live. No, we're, we did the intro. Wow. Gave them nothing. Nothing. Just ended it, just like that. We wanted a lot more than that, though. They'll, they'll get a lot more of it in one <laughs> video. They don't need it all in one. All right, but 
Yeah, I mean, he's during Friend Like Me, he said shout out, and I, it was awesome. So thank you to Jeannie, and then saw me, uh, got to see him backstage after, and it was a good time. Um, so definitely go see Aladdin if you haven't. He makes it interesting every night. I mean, he talks to the crowd in it, which you don't get in Broadway shows. Uh, makes things definitely worth watching. Just an incredible performance. There's a reason the guy won a freaking Tony Award. He's great. Um, but let's get into sports here on the Jake Brown Show. Got to start. World Series Game 7 is here. Game 7 of the freaking World Series. This is what we, we live for in sports. I mean... If you can't get hyped for this, you have no blood flowing in your system. You might as well be in a comatose. In a coma. Because this is what we wanted. We got game seven. Everyone said five games, six games, the Cubs will win this series. Then the Indians go up 3-1. You're saying, wow, the Cleveland Renaissance. Fun times in Cleveland for everyone. But don't look back. The Cubs say, not so fast. They win game five. They demolish the Indians in game six. And now there is a game seven. One streak will end. There's 108 stitches in a baseball. It's also been 108 years since the Chicago Cubs last won a World Series, 1908. For the Indians, 68 years, 1948. Not many living members left on that team. No living members left on the last Cubs team. Generations have passed since really both teams have won a title, since the Cubs, multiple generations. We're talking about grandpas and great-grandpas at that point. I mean, your daddy's daddy, your mama's mama's mama, they gone. And for, for this to culminate now, to come down to one game, to come down to the Indians' ace all year long, Corey Kluber, who has had the Cubs number this series, who really goes out to win a title for him. And he's going out to possibly win the World Series MVP right now. Three starts in the World Series. If he dominates tonight and they win, he will be the World Series MVP. You have him going up against a newcomer in Kyle Hendricks, who is arguably the NL Cy Young this year. I mean, it's tough to say he's not. I think when you look at his numbers... I give him my vote. Not that mine matters that much. But I, I, I give it to Hendricks. Future Hendricks. Now, Hendricks, Kluber, Game 7 in Cleveland. You know LeBron's going to be leaving the game and getting over. You know the Cavs are going to leave the game. They probably have a suite ready for them to get there by the 5th or 6th inning if there is a celebration. This is must-watch baseball. If you're not watching Game 7, what are you doing with your life? You can't be watching hockey or the NBA tonight. you got to be locked into this. This is it. For all the marbles, baby. It's showtime. It's showtime at the Apollo minus the Kiki Shepherds. Who said that? I think that was Luda. Um, <laughs> but Lester set it up. Arietta set it up. And now they hand it off to the NL Cy Young. And Cleveland fans could eat their words. The Warriors blew a 3-1 lead to the Cavs. LeBron James was out there putting 3-1 and all that on his cookies at Halloween. Basically 
taking a dump on Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. And in my mind, this is the Cubs series to lose. I think all hands on deck tonight for both teams. I, Of course, you got to disagree with Joe Maddon using Aroldis Chapman there early again, especially in the ninth. I think they the home run, things were unexpected with two outs when Rizzo hit the homer so no one was warming. But again, I would not use Chapman. Not a big deal. If, if Chapman blows it tonight, you know Maddon's never going to hear the end of it for the, for the rest of the offseason. But I'm excited, man. This, I'm looking forward to this. And uh, my prediction is the Cubs, 3-2. to two. I think it's going to be tight. I think it'll come down to Chapman. I think he gets it done. And the Cubs come back from a 3-1 deficit to win the series. I said Cubs in six at the start. So I can't go back on that. But do not put money on this game. If you're a betting person, do not put money in it. Because it is such a toss-up. You're talking about Cleveland's, literally their, their, their workhorse in Corey Kluber, the guy who got them here. But then you're talking about Hendricks, who's been the workhorse for the Cubs. So it, it, you just can't make a pick. World Series Game 7, I'll take the Cubs 3-2. It's tonight. One streak ends, and this is what we waited for. Let's get it. Let's transition here, as I hope you're all watching the World Series. But I know you also were watching the NFL. Because who doesn't watch the NFL on Sundays? Who doesn't have red zone dialed in on Sundays? And you may have not heard after the game what comments were made. Let's get into it here. You know, it's one of my favorite segments. Let's get to it. It's time for JB's Beef. And nobody is safe. It's JB's Beef here on the Jake Brown Show. And I got one beef this week. That's it. I got to get it off my chest. It's Cam Newton, man. 100% right. He's 100% right that the refs missed a call when they got him below the knees. 100%. No question about it. I'm not I'm not going to deny that and maybe the league does need to get spoken to by someone. The rest need to get these calls right cuz we are risking players health. But for all people, for Cam Newton to come out and say I don't feel safe, I need to talk to Roger Goodell. First of all, the guy looked like he was in the Ringley Barn and Bailey circus with that suit after the game. You could go catch him at the the new Nassau Coliseum next April. He might be in the circus. Riding an elephant in that thing. For the guy who cries more than anyone, this guy is defines crybaby. When he wins, he's dancing, he's dabbing, he's lollygagging versus the Falcons into the end zone where he deserved to get crushed. He's playing free. He 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 made it to the Super Bowl. And then when he's losing, oh I cry. Oh, I can't answer the question of the media. Oh, I don't feel safe. Guys are out to get you. When you're out playing, like everything's a joke, like everything's free, like you're not going to get hit, you chose the wrong sport. You don't want to go get hit. Go play golf. Go swim in a pool. Go play badminton. Go play volleyball. Even that you're going to get hit in. Go do some ice skating. Go play chess. Go to the glee club. Go to the chess club. This is the NFL. Everyone gets hit. And not only does everyone get hit, Mr. Newton, 
Mr. Fig Newton. Quarterbacks get hit who run around like a madman. You play a different style. You're obviously a different size. You're gonna get you're gonna get wrecked. I'm sorry. Do you see Big Ben coming out there and saying, I don't feel safe anymore? Can you call my mommy and get me a permission slip to play in football? No, you don't see it. Do you see Geno Smith even doing that, who gets hit left and right whenever he plays, whenever he's on the field? No. You see Matt Ryan doing it? No. Do you see Aaron Rodgers doing it? No. You see the guy who does it when he hates losing. You see the guy who does it who showboats more than anyone. You see the guy who does it who dabbed after every first down. He goes, ooh, hey, hey, hey. I'm sick and tired of your antics. You don't feel safe? That's that's why you get paid $20 million a year. That's why you get paid more than any average person. That's why you get paid more than some CEOs. That's the risk involved in the sport. Has the Have the refs missed calls? Yes, he has a beef to pick there. For him to say, I don't feel safe, I'm not getting calls, tough luck. There's other quarterbacks who don't get called. You think Big Ben? Big Ben gets hurt every year, plays through injuries, never complains. But Cam Newton has the audacity to go off every week. This comes after the week he, he basically cried in the postgame. Next question. Uh, we, we just didn't play good enough. Next question. Stop being a sore loser. Everyone's after you. Why do you think players are coming at you? Most of the league doesn't like Cam Newton. They hate him. They hate his guts. Because of a situation like this. When he wins, he shows in your face. When he loses, he can't take a loss like a freaking man. And then when he gets hit, he doesn't feel safe. Do we have to get you the Alex Torres baseball-sized helmet? Like the hat that he has? Do we have to put cones around you when you're in the pocket? Do we have to put a hazard tape around around the offensive line? Make sure you're safe. Make sure no one gets through. Do we got to handcuff the defensive end so they don't touch you? Do we get, do we got to do all that for you, Cam? Do we got to serve water to you on a silver platter? Do you need Evian? Do do you need the bougie water? Need the water that I saw DJ Khaled drinking in in his locker room? You're you're not gonna get that treatment, like. It, it just it frustrates me so much because sh- when he's good and he's fun to watch and all that, but all this is coming to him. This came to him from last year. What happened last year, the whole dab thing. Sure, I love the dab. Who didn't like the dab? But it wore out. Everyone loves it. But there's a time and a place, and you took it overboard, and now you're paying the price. So while you have a beef to pick, you're really not the right guy to pick it. And you know what? Have the coaches, have the GM say something. It's such a bad look on him for him to have to say something. Go have Ron, Riverbow Ron say something to the refs. Have someone else. You're not the guy to do it. And these guys are going to keep hitting you. So if you're not, if you don't feel safe, you're not having the fun, then quit. Go be a model. Go do something where you're not going to get hit. Go play badminton. Go do bowling. Who doesn't like bowling? Go join the PBA. Go be a horse rider. Go milk milk some cattle. 
Yeah, Cam Newton, nobody's safe. You are my JB's beef. Man up, stop crying, stop being a crybaby. You're not in a safe sport. You get hit. Take the hits like a man and stop complaining. Take a loss like a man. That's JB's beef for the week. It's time for JB's beef. Nobody is safe. All right, that is JB's beef. Let's go around the NFL now. Um, the, we got into the Sunday game, the London game. We got into that with Kenny Albert coming up ties. I I told him get rid of ties. I hate ties. I know they don't happen a lot, but why not just do a a second overtime? That was the game in London. Um, the chiefs beat the Colts 30, 14, Alex Smith. I pick him up in fantasy. He gets her. I start him over Kirk cousins and he gets her and now he's out. What am I doing? I'm starting Ryan Tannehill in one of my leagues this week because Alex Smith is hurt and Kirk Cousins on a bye. Screw me, right? Screw me. But the Colts just proving their defense sucks. The Chiefs and that AFC West are just amazing right now. I mean, the AFC West has the Chiefs at 5-2, and two, the Raiders at 6-2, and two, and the Broncos at 6-2. and two. They may have three teams in the playoffs, which is pretty crazy. That division might just do it. Might do it. The Cardinals lose to the Panthers. The Panthers' defense finally is there. I I got into that. Uh, The Panthers forced turnovers. Their defense looked great. Cam feels unsafe. Amazing the difference a year makes between these two teams. The NFC title game to two teams that may not even make the playoffs right now. It's crazy when you think about it. The Raiders, they won 33-27. That game was ugly. It went to overtime. And then finally, Roberts had the game-winning touchdown. And the Raiders keep rolling on the road. Is Derek Carr the next great quarterback? I think he is, guys. And let's give credit to that Raiders offensive line. They are doing a tremendous job protecting him. And Derek Carr, yeah, sure, he doesn't, he doesn't like to run like Cam Newton. He doesn't need to because we, we know he'll feel unsafe if he does that. Um, but the Raiders are for real, man. They just keep winning on the road. If they had all season on the road, this could be a Super Bowl team. Uh, the Raiders are now 6-2. and two. The Bucks fall to 3-4. and four. The Saints beat the Seahawks 25-20. Not much to report from that game. The Saints... Needed that win, man. Three and four still alive. And how about Earl Thomas getting flagged for hugging the ref after a fumble return for a touchdown? The game came down in the last second. The Seahawks couldn't get that fade. Fade it. Fade it. Fade it. Fade it. Fade it. They couldn't get the fade to win it. The Texans beat the Lions 2013. Brock Osweiler. Let's give him a round of applause, everybody. Woo! Brock Osweiler, you know what you got to do? You play to win the game. And he did. Uh, a, a big win for them. Uh, they improved to 5-3. and three. They, they don't seem like they're 5-3, and three, but they are. The Lions lose. The Patriots just, the Patriots, uh, they rode the Bills. And if you, if you don't get that reference, you didn't see the dildo that came on the field from Bills Mafia. I mean, how about that? First of all, let's just break it down here. Who brought the dildo to the game? If it was a guy, I'm a little worried. If it was a girl, I'm still a little worried, but you understand. 
Third, it looked like a cheap dildo. Like, it's, like, not very high quality. I guess that's why they threw it in the field. Four, where did it come from? Like, how far did they throw it? Because it seems like it came from the sidelines. Did someone throw it from the crowd? Like, that that would be a great throw, one. Two, they landed it in a perfect spot onto the field, like, right in the middle of the play. W- was Gronk on offense? Like, who was on offense? I don't remember. Um, but it just landed in the field of play right in front of where the play was happening. And do your job. The Patriots did it. And we didn't even mention, man. At first, the Jamie Collins trade looked crazy. Then you read more and more, and you're thinking Bill Belichick's a genius. Here's why. One, his replacement's a Landon Robertson, a guy interviewed in April before he got drafted, the week of the draft. He is now the new linebacker, and this guy is a tackling machine out of Houston. He, he told me he wants to be the next Ray Lewis. That's a high standard to live up, up to. Jamie Collins, freelanced, wanted Von Miller money, which he's not worth, and did not seem anywhere near what kind of player that the Patriots want. They said, nah, we're good. They said, nah. What was your reaction, Luke, to the to the Jamie Collins trade? I, I think it's a good deal considering they got something out of it and he was going to be a free agent because it didn't seem like he was coming back. I think when you see something like that happen, there's always more than meets the eye. There's always something else. And we saw what happened. He was asking for crazy money. Mm -hmm. And that's always been the Pats way under Belichick. It's been no, I mean, outside of Brady, really. No one guy is bigger than the team. You see guys have always taken pay cuts, or they make guys out of nowhere, and they replace them. It's always worked every single time. Do you think they'll be okay, or was this a dumb trade? They're the Pats. When when have they not been fine? Mm Mm-hmm. Like I, the last time the Pats were not fine, I was, I was in elementary school. Mike Piazza was a Met. Oh, Mike Piazza. Yeah, it was a long time ago, man. It was a long time. The Patriots just keep on rolling. They it, always it, do. It's easy. They always don't, do. don't mess with Bill. They'll get it done. Seven one now. The Jets. I locked them in at four. The spread went down to two and a half. I mean, technically my locks, I didn't get it. But if we did it by game day spread, I got it. But. Again, it's a loss. I was 2-3 and three last week, 20-20 20 20 on the year. We'll get into my locks later in the show. The Jets win 31-28. Wasn't really a pretty game, but they did prevail. Garbage time touchdown by the Browns made it interesting. Um, but not much to report. Fitzpatrick was solid. Bilal Powell solid again. Jets defense looked good, and Bilal Powell getting a lot more carries. Um, so a nice win for the Jets. The Broncos win 27-19 prevailing over the Chargers. I told you they'd come out mad in that game after losing the Chargers a couple weeks ago. They look good, and we'll see if Devontae Booker could stay on the field. Uh, that's going to be key for them uh, if they want any chance here. They With C.J. Anderson out probably to the playoffs now, they need Devontae Booker to step in there, a guy who I cut on one of my fancy teams, and then he got picked up by our good friend Steve, who always finds a way to get those running backs. Every time, he always does. He's it's the worst. Yeah, he's the worst. He's up early, too. He's one of those hawks. Yeah, he's, he's – you know what Steve has to do? Get out. Get out. Get out. Get out. Get out. Get out. Get out, Steve. Um, the Falcons beat the Packers 33-32. Now, I did not really see much of this game. So, can you report to me on your Falcons win? Falcons look – Amazing, and you know Matt Ryan has always been a guy that looked good, but he's kind of been in that class with Matt Stafford where they've oh they've looked good since since the jump, but they've never really taken it to the next level despite winning quite a bit. They've always kind of stayed that same consistent quarterback, but this year, man, Matt Staff, oh, excuse me, Matt Ryan 
And honestly, the entire offense has been great. I mean, Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman at running back. Uh, even though Coleman was out last week, I mean, Julio was great. Muhammad Sanu had a fantastic game. I mean, man, they beat the Packers. I mean, that's not an easy win. And they looked amazing. And they have all year. Playoff team? The way they're going now, I mean, I see no reason why Let's not. hope they don't choke I mean, we've seen them. Yeah, we've seen them have great starts and fall back before. But right now they're looking very good. That is a big win for the Falcons, who improved now to five and three. The Packers fall to four and three. The Packers are a very odd team, and Aaron Rodgers is an odd player. Sometimes he's awesome, sometimes he's okay, and he sometimes was he sucks. Amazing. He was good on yeah. Sunday. Yeah, but in a losing effort. And he's the, always played great against the Falcons, though. In the playoff game a couple years ago, always he's always sliced them up. When you have a bad defense like the Falcons, that's yeah. what happens. The the Cowboys won in overtime. A Jason Witten overtime touchdown. He happened to be wide open on that play. In overtime, and Eagles looked solid in this game, but Dak Prescott, first half struggled, then comes out. He was great after that. He struggled early, started to kick it into gear towards the end of the third quarter, and then fourth he was good in overtime. Uh, Dak Prescott, the argument continues. You're hearing more people saying you have to bring Romo back. I just don't get it. You're 6-1. and one. Keep riding the Dak train until he fails. I agree. I don't care how many millions you pay Tony Romo. Don't ruin something that works. Now, some people want to say they're better with Romo. I don't. I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, I talked about it on the show a couple of weeks ago. I said, you know, you got to go back to Romo. I mean, he was just the guy you always had. But now, I mean, he's played great against top defenses. I mean, he played great. Uh, Eagles again, have Eagles have a great defense. Yeah. He's been unbelievable. You can't bench him. They're six and one. And the Eagles are four and three. And the Eagles and Giants have a big battle uh, for second place coming up this week. The Monday game, and we didn't even mention. We'll get into it. The Bears win twenty to ten, and the Vikings' offensive line has just been a natural disaster. The Bears, Jay Cutler looked good. Sam Bradford was on his ass all day long, and now Norv Turner, out of nowhere, decides to resign. We don't know what it was for. Shermer takes over as the offensive coordinator. I partially think he didn't want the headaches of having to deal with a team that doesn't really have a good running back and has no offensive line. I, I can't explain what it is. That, that's my idea. Um, but just a bizarre time to resign um, for Norv Turner. And the Vikings are a very tough schedule coming up where you, you're a little worried about them now. At 5-2, and two, you're worried after they were the best team in football. At 5-0, and oh, the Lions, Redskins, Cardinals, Lions, Cowboys are their upcoming five games. It does not get easy for the Minnesota Vikings. I I don't feel that good about them as I did a couple weeks ago. Uh, they're in a weird team. They're a weird team, but they have a great defense. And history has showed us that if you have a great defense, as long as you basically as long as you hold on to the ball, you're going to have a shot. And we'll see. As I said, Detroit, Washington, Arizona, Detroit, Dallas. Then they get Jacksonville, Indianapolis, Green Bay, Chicago. So those last three of four look not terrible. They could beat the Jags, Colts, and Bears. Um, but they're going to have to at least win one against the Lions. Um, they really have to at least go 10-6, and six, I'd imagine, to get in to win the division or a wild card spot. That is around the NFL for week nine. We have a lot more to get into, so everyone stay tuned in. First of all, we have Kenny Albert coming up next, the Fox Sports broadcaster, the Rangers radio play-by-play guy. He's the only announcer in sports to call all four professional sports his dad is Marv Albert. We talk about his dad, his broadcasting career, his partners, 
uh, fighting his wife at the All-Star game. We talk football. We talk about his time in London calling that tie that we had. Um, all that. Coming up after Kenny Albert, Eric Merlis will be the last segment of the show talking about his book, I Was There, uh, which talks with some of the best names in sports and being at the best events in sports. We'll have my locks against the spread. We'll do a little NBA tip-off talk. And my favorite segment, Geronimo Allison, the package wide receiver, has deleted his Twitter. The reason why? Some incredible tweets. We look back at his tweets versus my tweets from 2011 and 2012. But coming up next on the Jake Brown Show here on Play.iTunes and Spotify is play-by-play man Kenny Albert. Welcome back to the Jake Brown Show here on CBS Radio's Play.iTunes, Spotify, Jake Brown Radio, Jake Brown Show is where you find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all of that jazz. On the line with us now is literally the only guy in America, in the world, who's calling all four of the major sports, baseball, basketball, football, hockey, it is Kenny Albert on the line. Kenny, what's going on, man? All good, Jake. How are you? Good. And uh, obviously the son of Marv. I mean, I have to imagine you came out of the womb and you knew you were going to be a sportscaster. Well, I think it took about five years. Uh, (laughs) I was five years old, Jake, and got a tape recorder for my birthday from my parents and started announcing games off the TV. I set up my bedroom like a studio with the uh, TV, bed, desk, and uh, right at that time I, I, I knew that was what I wanted to do. And Also did some writing, did some uh, sports writing in high school and was the editor of the school newspaper and uh, went on to NYU and did some broadcasting there and here we are, amazingly enough, uh, 26 years later. What was the first professional sports game that you called, do you recall? Islanders Winnipeg. Uh, it was December '89. Hmm. I had uh, I had done about a hundred games for Cox Cable on Long Island during high school, which was an unbelievable experience. Just getting the reps, whether it was baseball, basketball, football, hockey, soccer, lacrosse, you name it. And then at NYU, uh, we did the basketball games on the school radio station. And I was also sort of interning at the time uh, for a gentleman who was involved with the Islanders radio broadcast. So I filled in on some of the pre- and post-game shows, and then in December 89, when they had an opening for a fill-in, I wound up doing four games that year. So in Winnipeg, uh, which is known as one of the coldest and windiest cities in North America, mm-hmm. an Islander-Winnipeg game back in December of 89. That was the first official pro broadcast. How instrumental was your dad uh, in getting you to do this, and what, what did he uh, really um and still in you to make you become a broadcaster i imagine he had some tips and pointers here and there and helped you uh get better and become one of the best in the business right now well the number one thing was the preparation just watching Mm -hmm. how he prepared for games whether it was knicks rangers nbc football uh boxing the local news the 6 and 11 o'clock sports that he did for a long time um just seeing how much went into it and i try to uh, tell young broadcasters to this day how important the preparation is. Um, you can't just cheat, for example, by reading things on the Internet. You have to read three or four or five newspapers a day. You miss stuff on the Internet. Although I spend hours and hours uh, you know, clicking on various websites, newspapers are essential. I think that's the number one thing as far as the preparation and being well-rounded. Um, preparing your charts and information also by hand. You know, that, That's how you remember things as you're writing it down. So that, that, those are really the, the key things I learned. But just by tagging along and uh, doing stats for him at, at various games, I felt like I had such a, an advantage over others my age who wanted to do it because I was able to sit in the broadcast booth and 
uh, learn. And also, I was a, a big radio listener. We didn't have cable TV until I was 18 years old, so I was listening to all nine local New York sports teams' radio broadcasts and uh, guys like, like Howie Rose and Doc Emmerich and Sam Rosen, you know, who I've become good friends with over the last 20, 25 years. They were other broadcasters who I listened to uh, while I was growing up and just learned so much, so much uh, from all of them. Howie Rose, a guy who at one point asked my mom on a date while she was right? seeing my dad in the 80s. Um, I think they met at a like a Ford dealership or something. Uh, funny story. And funny story with you, by the way, when I was at the Garden for the All-Star game, um, you had lost your wife, and I helped you find your wife that day. So there you go. At, at the NBA All-Star game a couple of years ago? At the Garden, yeah. You were like, you were looking around like, where where'd she go? I said, I, I think she went over there and you found her. So. It was funny. I guess she was trying to run away from me. <laughs> Kenny Albert joining us, uh, Fox Sports, the uh, uh, New York Rangers radio broadcaster. Have you and your dad ever called a game, or will that ever happen before he retired? Because I think we'd all love to see that. Well, we sort of worked together a couple of times. You know, because we're both play-by-play broadcasters, there would never be any um, reason for us to work the same game together because we're mm-hmm. in the same role. Um, but in college, I once brought him in uh, to do color with me on an NYU basketball game. And then back in my first year with the Rangers, uh, he was still working a number of the games, and Sal Messina was the color analyst. Hmm. And Sal actually lost his voice during the game. I was there to do the pre- and post-game show, so I kind of stepped in and did color on one of those games with him. But, um, you know, given that we're in the same role, play-by-play, it would kind of be hard for us to work the same game. I'd love for you guys maybe do a half each, like before he retires. Has he talked to you about, because, I mean, he's 75. I imagine the years aren't too much longer, but I imagine he's still got five years. And has, has he mentioned, like, hey, I'm going to retire in five years? I, I've never heard him mention that word. He just huh. wants it too much. Um, he's, he's obviously cut back. Yeah. Um, certainly does not do nearly as much as he used to do, but it's still one game a week on Turner with the NBA and then a heavy schedule in the playoffs. But I would be shocked if he ever fully retired. What is your weekly travel schedule like? You're calling occasionally baseball. You're doing the Knicks occasionally. You have NFL every week, uh, and you have the Rangers. I imagine you are in a different state almost every day. Some weeks that's the case, Jake. Um, it, it varies on a week-to-week basis. Now, during football, we go in on Friday. We, we go to practice and, mm-hmm. and meet with players and coaches from the home team. So during the football season for 17 straight weeks, I'm headed somewhere Friday morning and back home Sunday night and then in that city for three days, um, and then hockey games during the week. Now, what helps a little bit is the Rangers don't play a lot of away games on weekdays, Monday through Thursday. They're usually home during the week, a couple of road games here and there. They play on the road every Saturday, which uh, I miss many of those during the football season. But, it, it, like I said, it really varies. Uh, the month of October was crazy with um, NFL every weekend, the baseball playoff series between the Nationals and Dodgers. Ranger games, two Nick preseason games. So, um, you know, to me, that's also the most fun time of the year, October and also April and May when the playoffs are going on. Um, but it does get pretty hectic. Sometimes it's hard to remember what hotel room you're in, what city you're in. But uh, this week, for example, um, home during the week, Ranger games last night, which was Tuesday, another home game Thursday, then on to Minnesota for the football game on Friday. Other weeks, it could be a lot crazier with the travel. I know, yeah, you were in some place called London uh, a couple of days ago for uh, the back-to-back ties. Uh, tell us about that. I mean, I saw someone tweeted, hey, it's empty here, and that was like hours before games. It seems like they always do that on Twitter. Uh, tell us about the experience in London for that tie game. 
Uh, well, no, it was actually great. It was 84,000 in the stadium. It was tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever. It might have even been a tweet that I sent out. It was probably three hours before the game yeah. before the fans were allowed in. But it was a great atmosphere. It was the 17th NFL game in London, the third this year. And they really enjoy it over there. And you see jerseys of every team. All 32 teams are represented when you walk around outside the stadium and then inside the stadium during the game. And even though it was a tie, it was a pretty good game. Uh, the second half especially, the Bengals scored a couple of touchdowns to take the lead. Then the Redskins came back, and both teams had chances to win the game in overtime. It's kind of a strange feeling when the game ends. Mm-hmm. Similar to the players and coaches, you don't know how to feel when the game ends in a tie, but it really could help those teams down the stretch. You know, when you look at the NFC East standings or the AFC North come December, um, the Bengals or Redskins could have a half-game edge due to that tie. So, obviously much better than a loss. But the whole London experience is great. I was over there um, in 2011 for the Bears and Buccaneers, again in 14 for the Cowboys and Jaguars. So this is my third NFL game in London, and it's a great city to visit. And um, Even though we're over there to work, you do get some downtime, so it was a lot of fun. Do you so? Would you say you disagree with the the naysayers who says get rid of London games? These games stink. I mean, the other day, besides it was a tie, it was a tremendous game, like you said. Uh, are you pro uh, London football? Uh, sure. As far as having three or four or five games over there every year, you mm-hmm. know, it might be a bit of a challenge for a team to play their entire eight game home schedule there. Um, you know, what do they do? They come back for a month to play four consecutive road games. What happens if they pick up a player on waivers on a Thursday? And he doesn't have a passport. So there are certain things that, um, logistically, that, that, you know, you really have to put a lot of thought into. But um, would I be surprised if, if a team, you know, for example, the Jacksonville Jaguars were to play more than one home game there in, in the future? Absolutely not. For an East Coast team, it's not much different than going to Seattle. It's really not. It's a six-and-a-half-hour flight. So if you have a game in Seattle or San Francisco on a given weekend, you're the New England Patriots, it's really not much different than traveling over to London. Are you a fan of ties? I, I personally hate them. I think they should add a second overtime or have some, some form of a kickoff. I mean, kickers are just terrible this year. Uh, you like ties? Oh, I don't mind it. I mean, there's, this year's an aberration with two. There's mm-hmm. usually one every three or four years, so I don't think it's a big deal. Um, I don't think they would ever go to a, a field goal kicking contest. I don't think they go to a second overtime in the regular season just because of the wear and tear on the players' bodies. So, really, when you look at it, since – you know, 2005, let's say, in the last 10 years, how many have there been? Only four or five. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's too big a deal. All right, you're on the call for Detroit at Minnesota this week. Surprisingly, North Turner just resigned out of nowhere. Maybe it's because his offensive line is inept. I don't know if he doesn't want to deal with that anymore. But, I mean, how shocked were you with North resigning? I was pretty surprised. I just heard it a little while ago uh, before we started speaking. And, uh, you know, you look at the history, he and Mike Zimmer – you know, we have been together for a couple of years, um, both coming out of the, the Dallas organization as well back in the 90s. Um, it looks like Pat Shermer takes over, and he has a connection with Sam Bradford. Uh, they were together for a number of years in St. Louis and then in Philadelphia last year. So, again, haven't really heard much aside from what I've read, which which is just the blurb that, that Norv did resign. But uh, pretty surprised to hear about it and surprised to hear the thoughts of my partner, Moose Johnston, who's very close with Norv Turner. He was his offensive coordinator in Dallas. Uh, you know, under Jimmy Johnson back in the early 90s. So hopefully we'll hear some more about it as the week develops. Let's preview this game because the Vikings right now, some people think they might free fall. They've lost two in a row. The offensive line has been bad. Uh, McKinnon's been banged up. Uh, Detroit, inconsistent, but we've seen flashes here and there. Uh, break this game down for us here between, 
I don't know, two mediocre teams. I think the Vikings, everyone looked at as maybe a playoff contender a couple of weeks ago, and now everyone's like, oh, this team's going to go for a free, free fall. Well, certainly not uh, finished with the preparation, still kind of in the middle of it, but mm-hmm. and haven't seen the Vikings this year, but they did get off to the great start at 5-0, and the two straight losses to Philly and Chicago. You know, I think when they lost Bridgewater and Adrian Peterson, mm-hmm. you told them they'd be 5-2 and two at this point. They would certainly take it, but um, the tough schedule coming up for Minnesota. They have uh, Detroit twice, a division team that, that has a ter- terrific quarterback in Matthew Stafford. I mean, look at what he's done this year. Uh, they, they go on the road to Washington in their next game. They play Arizona, Dallas, so uh, Green Bay down the line. So the schedule does get a little bit tougher for the Vikings. Um, and as far as the Lions go, I've seen them twice. They, they look great offensively in Indianapolis week one, and then they lost to Chicago week four. I was at Soldier Field back in early October. Um, haven't seen them since then, so I missed the entire three-game win streak, but a couple of impressive wins over uh, the Eagles and Redskins during that time. So, again, Jim Bob Cooter's done a great job uh, with this offense ever since taking over midway through last year as the coordinator. Some people two weeks ago were talking about Stafford as an MVP candidate. So, um, like I said, Jake, still sort of in the middle of the preparation. We'll go and see the Vikings at practice on Friday and sit down with Mike Zimmer and the coordinators and, and Sam Bradford, and we'll meet with the Lions on Saturday. So, um, always love the division games. You know, they really uh, they've been rivals for a long time, and also looking forward to seeing the new stadium in Minneapolis. Yeah, the Vikings' next five games are the Lions, Redskins, Cardinals, Lions, Cowboys. So it will not get any easier. Uh, Dak Prescott or Tony Romo? In other news, uh, do you stick with the Dak train or do you go with Romo when he's healthy? Boy, that's a tough one. I'm glad I'm not the coach or the owner in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've been a Tony Romo fan for a long time. I've seen him play in person on numerous occasions. Dak Prescott doing a great job, obviously, as a rookie. So it's tough. I mean, if you, if you go back to Romo, um, he certainly built up a, a tremendous body of work over the last decade. If you stick with Prescott, you know you can almost always bring Romo off the bench. So uh, tough call. That's why they get paid the big bucks. All right, switching over to basketball now. The Knicks off to a one and two start. You call some of their games. I mean, you get the pleasure of. First of all, how is it calling a game with Clive Frazier? I imagine that's got to be an awesome feeling. It is. It's really a lot of fun. He's he's a tremendous guy. Um, I compare Clyde to some of the other analysts that I've worked with. Um, worked with Joe Namath, for example, uh, way back on some Jets preseason games, and hmm. have worked with Troy Aikman, and, and they all have one thing in common, and. and how nice they are to the fans. I mean, I've, I've watched Clyde now for five or six years, never says no to a, an autograph or a photo request. And I think, um, you know, that, that says a lot, that he's, he's an even better person than he was a player. And it's always fun to check out his wardrobe and, and listen to some of the rhymes, but he really has a great mind for the game. He, he has almost a photographic memory when it comes to players around the league. And um, I think when, you know, sometimes people only – think of the wardrobe and the rhyming but he really knows the game he's a terrific analyst and uh look forward to working to uh, with him on a number of games this year once again styling and profiling swishing and dishing uh the Knicks one to start it's early but do you look at i look i previewed and i said 45 wins for the Knicks this year maybe a little high um but what's your outlook on this team are they good enough to be in the playoffs this year i think so for sure you know health's a big part of it with, with some of the players who have had injury issues but you and I are thinking along the same lines. I said to somebody 46 the other day, so mm. uh, we're right there. Now, I haven't seen much yet. I was in London when the first two games were played, and I was at the Garden for the Rangers last night, so I haven't seen uh, much of the first three games. I, I have them on, on my DVR, but 
Um, I think for sure. I think as long as they stay relatively healthy, somewhere in that 46 win range, a playoff berth in the Eastern Conference. The other team at the Cardin is looking like a Stanley Cup contender right now, early 7-3, and three, but you got to be satisfied with what you've seen uh, from the Rangers. Well, certainly, and, and I think people overreacted last year when the season ended because they were eliminated in the first round. Mm-hmm. This is still a 100-point team, and unfortunately they wound up matched up against the Penguins, who were the hottest team in the league in, in March and April, and then go on to win the Stanley Cup. So you know, some of the fans and media that, that were real down when the season ended, I, I thought they overreacted for sure. Now, the Rangers did make a number of changes. They got younger and, and faster up front, and, and the speed is, is just amazing. You think back to the 2014 team that made it to the Stanley Cup final. I think they surprised the Kings with their speed in game one, even though L.A. came back to win the game. Um, I think about Kreider and Zuccarello and uh, Carl Hagelin, they had a number of breakaways in that first period, and, and this team looks even quicker mm-hmm. with, with some of the guys they brought in, and, and Jimmy Vesey off to a great start, the Kobe Baker award winner with six goals, one off the league lead, and uh, you look at a guy like Mika Zibanejad coming in from Ottawa, Brandon Peary, and some of the others. So 7-3 uh, start, and, and they're scoring goals. I mean, there's five more last night. Uh, Rick Nash is off to a good start as well, coming off an up-and-down season last year. Henrik Lundqvist was tremendous last night. The goaltender is often overlooked in a 5 nothing game, but he made some terrific saves. And I think Ryan McDonough is playing at the level that we saw uh, back in 2013 and 2014 as well. Uh, Rangers broadcaster, Fox Sports broadcaster Kenny Albert joining us here on the Jake Brown Show, played on iTunes, Spotify. Uh, before we let you go, I want to circle back again to the broadcasting angle. As a guy who does a little play-by-play myself, um, I'm curious, the different the different guys you do games with, I mean, you have a cavalcade of stars, a cavalcade, a word that Clyde likes to use a lot. Um, Clyde, I mean, Joe Namath, you said. You, you've done games with uh, Joe Theismann, uh, Moose, I mean, do you ever have trouble developing chemistry with new guys, or is it it's seamless with each guy? You know, I, I've been real lucky, Jake. I think uh, sometimes people ask me, well, who have you worked with that you don't really like, that you didn't get along with? And I, I can't really think of anybody. Hmm. Um, I, I've worked with so many of them, like you said. I think it's somewhere around 250 or 300 analysts uh, during my during my years. But um, in each of the different sports, um, I have been fortunate to work with some of the Top guys, you know, I mentioned Troy Aikman and Moose and Joe Namath and some of the others, Joe Theismann in football, Tim McCarver in baseball, and Tom Perducci and Howard Reynolds over these last few years, John Davidson, Joe Micheletti in hockey, Dave Maloney on the Ranger radio side, and Ben Clyde on the basketball side. But, you know, to me, one of the keys to a, a terrific broadcast is, is setting up your analysts. You know, they're the, they're the expert. They were the player or coach, and I think you have to try and have that rapport and that chemistry and try to set them up and um, go from there. But really have, have been fortunate to uh, have worked with a lot of great people. I have to imagine they teach you and, and teach you different things and you soak in knowledge from each one of them being as so many legends that you've called games with. And I think, I think you also have to study their careers. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, I worked with John Lynch the last three weeks, and mm-hmm. um, he was inducted into the – uh, Denver Broncos ring of fame a couple of weeks ago. He goes into the Buccaneers ring of honor tomorrow. So, you know, bringing that up during a broadcast and then also asking questions about the players at the positions that they played as well. I think that's a part of it. Um, so there's a lot that goes into it, but I think the viewers want to hear from them and the listeners. They want to hear from the experts. You know, I'm there for the nuts and bolts, call the play, give background information, some numbers, and, and then let the experts do their thing. 
Kenny Albert, Fox Sports. You could catch him calling Detroit, Minnesota. You could catch him calling Rangers games, even during the Olympics calling some track and field as well. Um, follow him on Twitter at Kenny Albert. Kenny, I'll let you get back to your direct TV guy. Uh, thanks for coming on the show today. Appreciate it. We'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Jake. Hopefully he wraps it up soon. Yes, sir. Take care. You too. And we're back here on the Jake Brown Show. Play it out at iTunes, Spotify, Jake Brown Radio, Jake Brown Show, Luke Albert running the board. Um, NBA tip-off. Kenny Albert is great, by the way. Just an awesome interview. Uh, you can't go wrong with Kenny Albert. Son of one of the great broadcasters ever at 75. I try to get he's out of him. He's a pretty good guy in his own right, too. Oh, yeah, he's great. Top five announcer probably in the game. And anyone who call all four major sports deserves major props. Major key. Um, quick NBA thoughts before we get into the hilarious Twitter segment, and then we'll close with my locks and then Eric Merlis. Um, Joel Embiid, man, is fun to watch. He gives the Sixers something special to watch. They call him the process. That's what they uh, announce him as at the game. He's cool to watch, man. Especially he could shoot threes. He shoot mid range. He's got post up moves. the 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 Sixers are something to watch every night just because of him. Literally, no one else. He's just a man amongst children. James Harden and the Rockets have looked good. James Harden taking on a newfound role as kind of like a point guard. Um, he's been cool to watch. The Pelicans are not good, but Anthony Davis is a machine, 50 points in the first game. Westbrook could be Oscar Robertson of 2016, 2017, averaging almost a triple-double. He's going to be a triple-double machine this year. He might have 20 or 30 triple-doubles. He will fill the stat sheets for the Thunder this season. Uh, The Warriors' first loss, can everyone relax that they lost the Spurs on opening night? It's going to take time for them to gel. What do they do? They go out and win the next three. So everyone shut your damn pie hole um, because the Warriors are just fine. The Knicks, if healthy, we've noticed they'll be fun to watch, but it will take time for them to grow. And and how about Joakim Noah? Can you stop shooting from 18 feet? I mean, the guy was airballing wide open jumpers. That's just not your shot. Don't don't shoot, Joakim Noah. Do everything else but shoot. and then the Nets, play hard for Kenny Atkinson. That's what you'll notice all year from them. They're not going to be good, but they'll play hard, and they have some interesting pieces to watch. They're going to be bad, um, but I know I'll be at a bunch of Nets games this year because of the plug, uh, Michael Gruen. But the Nets will be interesting to watch in terms of the effort that they do give for Kenny Atkinson. I think they'll keep games close more than people think. They may not win a lot. They may win only 15 or 20. But they will be interesting. All right, let's have a little fun here. Geronimo Allison is a rookie wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers and deleted his Twitter. It was at 813MrFreakShow. It is now gone after stories started to go viral. They looked back in his tweets from 2012 when he was just about to head to college. And, man, some of these are vulgar. I'll read a couple, but you'll get the idea. Just look, Google him, and the stories come up. Uh, my favorite one is this. I feed this bee up on some loud. We smoke half of the blunt, then I hit the bee, and when I took her home, I let her keep the blunt, and now I'm mad. Meanwhile, you look at a tweet like mine from from that 2011-2012. What a hilarious evening. Too bad I wake up sniffing and sneezing cray-cray. Hashtag common cold. (laughs) Hashtag common cold, really? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then uh, 
he had another another hilarious one. A lot of them are very vulgar, so I'm trying to avoid those. But he said, just open the t- door for two fat white girls. Low. Meanwhile, you have me saying something like, headed back to the hop. Anyone around to chill? I'm trying to cruise. And then absolute mayhem at La Casa de Halpert's right now. And it's only 10 o'clock. Hashtag Merry Christmas. Hashtag shwa- swagger. Halpert Christmas, baby. That's a Luke Halpert Christmas. Um, I, hashtag swag was my move back in 2011 you and 2012. I had a hashtag that said that. I, I had a hat that said hashtag. J, no, it said J Swag. It said my former rap name. Um, oh, my God. Last night was shenanigans. Oh, my Lord. Just woke up. Chat roulette freestyle was hot fire. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> hashtag swag. Chat roulette. <laughs> Yo, chat roulette was chat the move roulette. in college. Wow. Chat roulette was the move. Apparently, I did a rap freestyle on on chat roulette back in the day. Um, oh, man. So, he, meanwhile, he's reading about, I ain't take a bath in about three days low. It's the summer. Fuck it. Meanwhile, you have <laughs> me say October. I didn't f- bathe in three this days. This lady just started Why talking about. anybody? <laughs> October 4, 2011. This lady just started talking about periods and those who still get theirs. Hashtag WTF. Oh my goodness! Oh boy, these. I mean, some of these. Just Google him. I'm not. I can't really read them. Uh, but basically, talking about girls and in bed and. Uh, he gets a little, a little bit dirtier, I would say. Yeah, very dirty. So those were the so, clean ones I if read. You're into that kind of thing. You know. Meanwhile, I'm. I'm. Uh, t- tonight starts no more of devouring all sorts of food. Food late night. It's time to get back to summer. JB hashtag swag. How's that going? <laughs> Not good anymore. Oh, five years later. Oh, man. Some of these, man, I'm telling you. Five years ago. It's crazy what the difference in five years makes. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I'm looking at myself like, what the heck was wrong with me? That's me, too. I mean, that's everybody. Everyone looks back on their social media and it's like, man, I don't even want to know what I said back then. I don't even want to be held responsible. I don't even know. I'm, I'm not even, I don't even know if I'm the same person. Next is Battle for Baby between John and Jacob. Now all you need is Jingleheimer and Schmidt. <laughs> Hashtag Maury. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. Jacob, Jingleheimer, Schmidt. Ladies. I mean, man. That's a classic. That's just Jake being Jake. Oh, man. Some of these, man. So this was October. Let's go back to today in 2011, November 2nd. November 2nd, 2011, Jake tweets. Here we go. All right, we'll go through my tweets. Today has been amazing so far, and it's only 6.30. Let's keep it going for my girl, Kreisha. We should do this every week. Go back to my tweets this day, like five years ago. On this This day. Let's do this. Yeah, on this day. Whatever years ago, we go back to my tweets. Today's been amazing so far. It's only 6.30. Let's keep it going for my girl, Sean tonight. Yeah, girl. That oh, was, the Sean l- Listen, I, I said, let's keep it going for my girl, Sean tonight. Yeah, girl. That was me blasting your music. <laughs> me driving around campus. Because I remember we passed her bus, and that was I was playing her music, and I had the audacity to tweet her. All right. I like to spend my times in girls without Wienersville. Hashtag lol. Oh my goodness. What? <laughs> I don't know what that is. Pissed I'm not seeing Wale tonight. Lol, just another one of those nights. So oh, you man. could have seen Wale and Krayshawn on the same night? I guess so. It seems wow. like a lit night. Yeah, man. Wow. 
LMAO, this guy gave the guy who cheated with his wife a ride home. Hashtag Steve Wilkos. Hashtag WTF. <laughs> oh, man. All right. That's just a peek of my tweets versus Geronimo Allison's. All right. Let's get into the locks. Let's play the music. Let's get it going. It's JB's locks against the spread. Before we hand it off to author Eric Merlis, hit me. Hello, 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 hello. Luck! Number one against the spread. The Titans head to San Diego and face the Chargers. The Chargers are five-point favorites. Are the Chargers a better team? Probably, but again, a lot of injuries. And the Titans are playing well right now. They're ending the second half of the season in a playoff race at 4-4. Four and four. DeMarco Murray has been a workhorse for that team. I think they cover a five-point spread in San Diego. I think that San Diego will prevail, but what we've seen from the Chargers is a lot of tight, tight games, either close wins or close losses. I think this is going to be a close win, but closer than five. Lock in the Titans to cover that five-point spread. Lock in the Panthers. I lock in the... Rams to lose every week, and I'm doing it again. I think the Panthers it might start a little bit of a turnaround. That defense looked dominant. I think they're going to dominate Case Keenum in a week where it could be Case Keenum's last week as quarterback of the L.A. Rams. Panthers, three-point favorites in L.A., lock in Carolina. The Steelers go to Baltimore to face the Ravens, and it's looking like Ben Roethlisberger is going to play. Coming back a little bit earlier than expected, and they're three-point underdogs? Three-point underdogs, Luke? Come on, son. Come on, son. Come on, son. No way! The Steelers are going to Baltimore, and they're winning. And if they lose, they ain't losing by three. It's going to come down to a field goal. They may lose by one. Locking the Steelers to win that football game. The Lions go to Minnesota to face the Vikings. The Vikings are six-point favorites. How could I lock in the Vikings right now? They lose North Turner. Their offensive line's a mess. Their running back situation's a mess. Sam Bradford is on his ass all day long. I like the Lions to cover. Minnesota might pull that off because they are home and they're the better team defensively. But the Lions should keep that close. Locking the Lions to cover uh, six-point underdogs. The Jets are three-and-a-half-point underdogs against the Dolphins. And, of course, the Dolphins deserve to be favorites here. They're home. You get three points for being at home. If they weren't home, it'd basically be a pick-up. I like the Jets to cover here. That's three-and-a-half-point underdogs. If they lose, I think it's going to be by a field goal. But I think the Jets are playing a little bit better right now. I think they're going to come after Ryan Tannehill. I don't think they lose by more than three, honestly. Lock in the Jets. Lock in the Titans, Panthers, Steelers, Lions, and Jets. 20-20 and on the year. We'll see if I can improve on that. Those are your JB locks against the spread. A wild show today, a long show. And uh, coming up to close out the show will be the author of I Was There, Eric Merlis, former WGBB host. Follow him on Twitter at The Merle. Eric Merlis closes out this edition of the Jake Brown Show. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to Luke Halpern running the board. Um, I am Luke Halpern on Twitter, Jake Brown Radio, Jake Brown Show, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Get us there. Make sure, you, if you didn't hear it, check out the Juliana Zobris interview from Tuesday where she talks about her husband, her music, a great interview there. Um, we'll come at you next week with some big guests um, and make sure you check out Kenny Albert during the show, all that. Coming up next, Eric Merlis. Enjoy Game 7 of the World Series. We'll talk to you next week. Good night. And before we get into our interview with Eric Merlis, Mac Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. They believe in smart design, premium fabrics, 
and simple shopping. You throw it in your cart, it'll save your info. The product is wonderful. Macworld will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever wear. I'm actually wearing this right now, the silver underwear that they have. And they have silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means you ain't going to smell. It eliminates odor. They want you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair, you'll keep it, and they'll still refund you. No questions asked. Not only does Macworld underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well, too. You wear them for working out. You wear them like me to go to work, to do the show, to go on a date, and just your everyday life. So we're going to tell you now to go to MacWeldon.com. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off using my promo code BROWN. M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. MacWeldon.com and get 20% off using promo code BROWN. And now, Eric Merlis closes out the Jake Brown Show. And welcome back to the Jake Brown Show here on CBS Radio's Play.it, iTunes, and Spotify. We had Kenny Albert on earlier in the show, and Kenny is a good friend of our next guest here is wrapping up the program, Eric Merlis at the Merle on Twitter, a guy who I used to be doing stuff with WGBB with, as they say in radio, um, out in Long Island. And uh, I, I think I was like I was like the produ- production assistant slash update man on WGBB. Uh, and now we're here. It's Eric Merlis joining the Jake Brown Show. Eric, what's up, man? Jake, how are you? I, I hope you're making a, a little bit more money than we were paying you back at, uh, at WGBB. It's impossible to not, considering <laughs> it was in the negatives. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, times are good, and... Uh, we're working at times are good for you as you have the your book is out. I was there. You could get it. I, I just love to say wherever books are sold. Um, <laughs> Amazon, Barnes and Noble. You can read on a Kindle. Um, 1435 I read on a Kindle and 1511 if you want the hardcover. Um, so not too shabby. All right. So first of all, tell us about your relationship with Cal- how you and Kenny Albert, uh, you told me, have been longtime friends. How did that come about? I pay him to say to people that he's a friend of mine. Uh, he, he doesn't admit it unless we force him to. Uh, we, he and I went to college together. Okay. So we're going back. I'm, I'm not putting a year on it, but you know we're going back. Uh, you know, a couple of years, uh, and we we uh, worked together at uh, WNYU, and mm. that's where I got my first radio experience way back when. And he he was the sports director a year ahead of me. And our friendship has just kind of lasted over the years. I've done a lot of stat work for him, uh, a lot of football, a lot of hockey. And, and you know, it, it, I'm lucky to have a friend like that in this business as I've tried to muddle my way through. And, you know, I, I've been lucky enough to write his coattails. And uh, interesting enough, the forward to your book is written by his dad, Marv Albert. Uh, yes, yes. Tell us about that. That was a, that was a tough get. Yeah, that was a tough get. I, you know, I sent an email, and he was like, "Sure, no problem," and that was it. I'm luck- again. I'm very lucky, and that's really the way to the the right way to say it. Uh, because of my friendship with Kenny, way back in the '90s, I did stats for Marv at Nick Games. So I used to. I, I always say I had the best seat in the house at the best time ever to be a Knicks fan, which was the early and mid '90s. Yes. I, I sat next to Marv. I was courtside. I was right on the center court line, and those were the Pat Riley, uh, Patrick Ewing years. So I had the best seat in the house, uh, and, and and got a chance to see all those games, and was lucky enough to sit next to Marv all those years. So when it came time to do this, 
uh, luckily enough, and I keep using that word lucky, but luckily enough, he, he was he was kind enough to do this for me. Take us through the book, because you have some interesting names. You have Joe Buck, Bob Costa, Jim Nance, and others uh, reliving the most exciting sports events of their lives. And just hearing those guys' names, you know they've called World Series. You know they've called Super Bowls and the Masters. Uh, take us through what happens and what we're going to read in this book. Well, each one of them, I, I asked each one of them to make it as personal as possible. We know that there are going to be a lot of World Series and Super Bowls, and you know it's obviously Game Seven of the World Series tonight, and and there are six of those talked about in the book. Just six World Series Game Sevens mm-hmm. talked about in the book alone, uh, and and Joe Buck talks about one of them, and, and other people do as well. And I asked everybody to make it as personal as possible. Uh, I wanted to to capture. Why is everybody in this business, you know, obviously everybody was a sports fan first, and I wanted that to come across, and I wanted that, that little spin on why is that Super Bowl more memorable to you than another Super Bowl, and in a lot of cases it's because of something that happened away from the field of play. Uh, Jim Nance talks about the first uh, Final Four that his father was able to come and see him work at. Mm-hmm. And that makes the list because of that. So Joe Buck talks about the 82 World Series Game 7 because he was a kid sitting in, in Bush Stadium in the radio booth where, right near where his dad was calling the game. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, the kind of, that's the kind of thing I really wanted to come out was it's not just about what's going on on the field or on the court, but you know, everything around it that, that leaves this lasting impression in each of these uh, person's mind what was the most gratifying and satisfying part uh for you of of doing this book honestly when it came out and the the whole process was amazing Mm -hmm. and i got to interview some incredible people and and some of the biggest legends in our business not just costas and 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 joe buck and jim nance but people like frank deford and bob ryan and dick stockton uh, you know, people that have seen everything. Mm-hmm. When, they, when the book came out, if you told me at some point in my career that my name was going to be on a book cover with Marv Albert, Joe Buck, Bob Costas, and Jim Nance, I never, ever would have believed you. Mm-hmm. And seeing that, and seeing that in print, and seeing pictures of it, and seeing it on bookshelves, uh, it, it's, it's one of the most amazing experiences that I could ever have imagined, simply because here are absolute and total legends in this business and for for even a fleeting moment my name is in the same sentence as them and i can't tell you how much that means how long did it take you to write this uh, from the beginning of getting commitments to the time i handed in the manuscript it was almost a year and a half so mm-hmm. i started getting commitments right about this time uh in in 2014 and the the completed edited manuscript went in in an i'd say like march of this year and you have written other books prior tell us about some of the other books you've, you've the, read the one book i wrote before this was really this is kind of a sequel to that but the first one was called being there but mm. it's the same concept uh again broadcasters and writers talking about events and this was really more of a uh, a sequel and just catching up you know nine years later from then to now, and a whole different cast of characters. What is the process of getting this book onto the shelves? I, I'm curious, as as a guy who's done it prior to this, I mean, is it a long process? Do you have to get a publisher to, to sign you? How does that work? 
That's exactly how it works, mm -hmm. is you have to find a publisher. Uh, in, in most cases, people get an agent. I, I've been lucky enough to kind of skirt that part of the process. But you get a publisher, and they handle the business side of it. You do the writing. You hand in the, the, the manuscript. You go back and forth on editing. Uh, in this case, I had to provide the pictures. They took care of the cover, and they take care of all of the business side of it, getting it on shelves, getting it onto Amazon, all of that kind of stuff. A lot of people do self-publish, and when, when I first started this project, the plan was to self-publish. Mm -hmm. And as I went along and I started to get Joe Buck, and I got Bob Costas, and I got Jim Nance, and, and people were people that were involved in the in the book kept telling me I'm I'm foolish to not try to get a publisher hmm. because I have I have some of the biggest names you know you don't have to be a sports fan to know who those people are so people looked at me and said you you've got so much here you should really be trying to get a publisher and I reached out to a couple. And one of the first ones I reached out to said, we'll, we'll take it. And then you actually sell the book to them. Is how it, that, and technically, they own the book. You get, you get a, part of the, you know, a part of the sales as you go along. You get an advance and so on. And then you prayed that you break even. What <laughs> has the uh, early feedback been? The, the, the reviews have been real positive. Uh, you know, I... I was able to learn from the mistakes that I made the first time around. Mm -hmm. um, the first time I did this, it, it ended up being very New York-centric, and I kind of learned from that and said, all right, I'll have a couple New York people. It's hard for it to not be New York-centric simply because so many of the biggest names in the business either grew up here or are based here. So, you know, someone like Marv, someone like Kenny – Ian Eagle, Steve Levy, they're all New Yorkers. Mike Breen's a New Yorker. They all either live here now, they all grew up here. So a lot of their earlier memories and some of the events they talk about from when they were either kids or early on in the business are New York things. Hmm. So, you know, it's hard. You kind of have to overcompensate and, and, and go out of your way to get people from other cities just to balance it out. And that, that's one of the things I learned from the first time around is uh, if you do that, you're opening it up to a much broader market. And, and again, the reviews that I'm seeing, I was lucky enough last week, they, they featured the book on Awful Announcing, which was wonderful. Richard Deitch from Sports Illustrated uh, put a big note about it in his weekly column, which, you know, I, look, those, those are those in, in our industry, as you know, mm -hmm. th those are two of the biggest sources for information out there. Mm -hmm. so, so I've been lucky enough to hit the right people and get the right people to talk about it. And, and that's really all I could hope for. It sounds like a must-read. Sounds like one that I will need to read. I was there. Get it. Amazon, Kindles, uh, Barnes and Noble, uh, wherever you find books, it is there. Uh, Eric Merle is at the Merle on Twitter. Uh, we enjoyed talking about. It. it was good catching up with you, Eric. Uh, Jake, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Take care. You too. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.